0: This morning's scripture will be from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. The year was 1979, and an archaeological dig was going on in the city of Jerusalem. Uncovered were two small scrolls about the size of those little pencils. You remember the little pencils that used to be in the back of a lot of the pews? They were maybe three or four inches long at the longest. Well, two scrolls were found that were only three or four inches long at the longest. And when they opened them, it was the Scripture reading that we just heard. It was Numbers 6, 24 through 26. Often called the priestly blessing, a blessing that was given to God's people by the high priest at the end of a service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Many who have a strong background in the Lord's church may have often sung the song, The Lord Bless You and Keep You. It's a beautiful song based on this passage. I'd like for us to consider this passage this morning and think about this concept together. Total blessing. Total blessing. That's really what the passage is about. If you look at verse 23, God instructs Moses to instruct Aaron and his sons, the priests, to bless the people. Then you see the Lord bless you in verse 24. And then you see at the end of this section, verse 27, the emphatic statement made by God, I will bless them. Some people say I'm doubly blessed. And I think we know what they mean when they say that. But this passage pronounces a triple blessing on those that are the people of God. By that, you might want to put down Ephesians 1 verse 3. Catch it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Each passage, number 6 in Ephesians 1, refers to blessing three times. Keep looking with me. When we consider Numbers 6, 24 through 26, note the context. The context is the book of Numbers, and it's a rather unusual place to find a blessing like this because it's the book of Numbers that talks about the failure of God's people to trust in Him And they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years as a result. See Numbers chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. They saw His glory and the miracles that God had performed, and yet they failed to trust in Him. You know, aren't you glad that people aren't like that today? Aren't you glad that we're not like that? When we consider the book of Numbers, things could have been a whole lot different if they would have only trusted in God. Think of all of the pain and the grief that they experienced because of a failure to trust and obey God. And when you stop and think about this, Waylon, In Numbers chapter 6, they are still in the shadow of Mount Sinai. What has happened at Mount Sinai? Certainly one of the most significant events up until that point in time. God has given His law to Moses who's brought it down to the people of God. They have been led out of Egyptian bondage by God as a gracious act. He has dealt with the Egyptian army. Think of all that God has done. And they are still at the foot, so to speak, of Mount Sinai. They have not begun the rest of the journey that would end up them in them not trusting in God and being punished by God as a result. You got that? That's the setting for this. In thinking about this and its context a little more, notice the word, the Lord. The Lord. It's found in verse 24, 25, and 26. It begins rightly in most every translation with those words. And the word is Yahweh. It is the word that carries with it the idea of having this covenant relationship, this special privileged relationship with God himself and the expression's found 6829 times in the New Testament, but boom 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 right here. But also notice verses 22 and 23. It mentions the Lord. It mentions the Lord spoke. To Moses, saying. See that? And also notice at the end, in verse 27, the I will bless is a reference to the Lord Himself. So five times, five times in this section, Numbers 6, 22 through 27, God is getting through to them. Who's going to be the source of your blessing? Who's going to be the source of your being kept? Whose face do you need to shine upon you? Who do you need to be gracious to you? Whose countenance needs to smile upon you? And who needs to give you peace? He would be the source of all they needed and more. Do you hear me, church? The big idea of this passage is that God says to them, He takes the initiative. They don't say what they need. He takes the initiative and says, I am going to give you all that you need as you love and trust Me. And how different numbers might have been and how different the experience of Israel might have been if they would have trusted what God said. Notice again as we look at the context a little bit more. Here in number six, God spoke to Moses, saying, Mark it. Speak to Aaron and his brothers, saying, Tell them to speak to the children of Israel, saying, Our God is not a God who's silent. He spoke to the prophet Moses, and Moses would go to Aaron and his sons. Why? Because they're the priests. And Aaron and his priest were to go to the people and this would be a message that they would convey. The priesthood, the high priest specifically, would convey this message to people as they would leave the assembly. Our God is a God who speaks. And it is through the words of the apostles and prophets that we have His Word. It is through the priesthood of believers, 1 Peter 2, 5 through 9, that the message of God gets to the world. But the world needs to hear the message that there is a God in heaven who takes care of our every need and we need to love and trust and pursue Him. We need to follow Him. That was true in Numbers chapter 6. And it's true this very moment, and it will be true until the Lord returns. There's something of the context. Since I mentioned that Moses, the prophet, was given this message by God himself, and he was to share it as God's prophet, as God's spokesman with Aaron, Imagine the first time Aaron got up and had to say these words. Because wasn't it Aaron in Exodus chapter 32 that was one of the instrumental people in making the golden calf in the first place? This is not long after that incident, ladies and gentlemen. Did you ever think about that? This passage that we've sung up maybe before or that you've seen in people's homes on a plaque. The first time Aaron quoted these words he must have thought about how true they were in his own life because it was only by the goodness of God that man was still alive and able to give the blessing the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. He is a walking, talking, living, breathing example of everything He's saying. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. I didn't deserve any of those things. Because I was one of the very ones involved in making the golden calf. And yet I have experienced God and His initiative. I've experienced God and His mercy and grace. Here's something else to notice, having talked a little bit about the context. Notice the content. I realize there probably are not many Hebrew scholars here. I am not one myself, but I'll tell you this. In the Hebrew language, you'll see what you'll find to be true in your English translation. Verse 24 is shorter than verse 25. And verse 25 is shorter than verse 26. Do you notice that? What I'm trying to say is this. God is intentionally using expansion here. In the Hebrew language, verse 24, Adam, is three words. Verse 25 is five words. And verse 26 is seven words. It's expanding. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. It gets a little, long, a little longer each time and more specific, and even more precious. Think about this with me. When you look at this blessing, according to verse 22, it is for the children of Israel. According to verse 27, it's to those that God will mark as His own and bless So there's a collective sense. There's a collective nature to this blessing. For all of Israel initially, I think it's fair to say that there's an individual, personal aspect of this. Look at the number of occurrences of you. Bless you. Keep you. It is really personal. So while for Israel as a nation, as a whole, when it was first given, it's also very personal and individual. Each one of those pronouns, you, are personal in nature. And we think about passages like Galatians 3.29 If you are Christ, then are you heirs according to the promise. You think about Galatians 6.16 where the church is spoken of as the Israel of God and Romans 2.28 and 29 where the Word of God would say, A person's not a Jew who's one outwardly but one inwardly having had his heart circumcised in the Lord Jesus. And I want you to see that every time the priest got up to say this at the end of an assembly, they were ultimately pointing to Jesus. Because who is the ultimate source of our blessing? Who is the one who keeps us? Jesus is the embodiment of God making His face to shine upon us and being gracious to us. You yourselves know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich for your sakes He became poor that you through His poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It is in Jesus that the countenance of God is lifted upon us. More about that momentarily. And it is in Jesus that we find peace with God. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Now in the words of an old preacher friend of mine that's gone on to be with the Lord, Johnny Ramsey, all that was introduction. Now let's get to the main point. Now, that was all intro. Four observations to hold on to... With all that you've got. Are you ready? God, God blesses and keeps us. God blesses and keeps us. Spiritual blessings, material blessings. All good things are due to God blessing. We are right to sing, "O oh, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise." It's a good thing to think about every time we worship, isn't it? He is the source of all blessing. And you know, you think about that expression, Yahweh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, the Lord. And New Testament scholars would say this might well be a hint, an intimation about the Godhead, the Trinity. At the very least, he's saying God is what is... Blessing who is blessing you, giving you the better things, giving you the best things. God in the superlative blesses and keeps. But it's interesting that in the New Testament, in the Old, the Father is called Lord, Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my feet till I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus is called Lord, Romans 10, and verse 9. With the mouth you shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And the Spirit is called Lord, 2 Corinthians 3.17. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord make His countenance to shine upon you and give you peace. God blesses and keeps us That means God is good to us throughout our lives and God protects us. He keeps us. Aren't you glad that one of the things God does is promise to keep us from the evil one? I think we have to deal with Satan enough, don't you? But God will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Think about that. And he who began a good work in you is able to complete it until the day of Christ, Philippians 1 and verse 6. He is able to keep us from stumbling, Jude verse 24, as we keep ourselves in the love of God, Jude 21. So not only does God bless and keep us, but secondly, here's the second observation in this passage. It says, it says in verse 25 that God favors and is gracious to us. That God favors and is gracious to us. To look on us with favor and not disfavor. To make your face shine on us. All right. Well, my mama has just moved here. She got into her new place of residence yesterday and she was exhausted uh, after everything. Which is funny because Sheree and I did most of the work. But anyway. No, she, did, she worked too. She did. But uh, as we... As we think about this, I can't help but think about when I was a kid because I can know, I've always joked with my mother about her poker face because she couldn't hide anything. It was all written on her face. And if she was happy, you knew it. And if she was not happy, it was written all over her face. There's a lot of moms like that. Amen, guys? Kids? But we want God's face to shine on us. Steve, would your mama ever look like that? We took my mama to a restaurant here in town and the guy came out and started saying what was on the, uh, uh, what was on the dessert menu and he didn't even have to ask her what she wanted because the first few she went kind of like this. I'm not joking. And when she heard just one that sounded right, There was a smile on her face and her eyes beamed. And the guy that was taking the order says, well, I know what she wants. Think about how important it ought to be to us for God to look on us with favor. For when he thinks about us for his face to glow, They love me. They've grown in their love and their service to me. There was one time when they were out of my favor, but as I think about them over their lives, when I think about them, I can look on them with favor and smile because they want to live in trust. And trusting me. And then it says, and be gracious. See, the favor extends. Not only the favorable outlook that God has, the expression that He has, but the expression of His favor in His graciousness. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Romans five fifteen through 21. His grace is sufficient for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. God is rich in grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. God's grace is great. Great grace was upon them all. Acts 4 and verse 33. Third, observe this with me. Not only is God a God who blesses and keeps and favors and is gracious to people, but notice verse 26. He gives us His full attention and gives us peace. He gives us His full attention and He gives us peace. Verse 26, may God lift His countenance upon you. And the whole idea is this. God is so great and we are not. We are needy. Think of children who are small and how they try to get a parent's attention. And what parent hasn't been so involved in something else that maybe they didn't just stop everything all of a sudden? But that child kept asking for you and for your attention. You know, children are kind of like that, aren't they? They can be mighty persistent, can't they? And I wonder if that's not exactly how we are as adults and more needing the attention of God. And yet, the idea is like this. You, child, you have my full attention. God is saying to His people, you've got my full attention. I, as the God of the universe, am not so busy that I won't put everything aside just for a minute and focus on you because you matter to me. That kind of relationship is the kind of relationship that God wanted to have with Israel. And it's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. He's wanting His people to know it will be as if I don't have anything else to do. Nothing else in all the universe is going to matter. I want you to know. I will drop the paper. I'll quit watching the ball game. I'll do... I'll quit watching all, but I want to focus on you and give you peace. In nothing worry, but in everything by prayer and supplication make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds, your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Listen. Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But rejoice, I have overcome the world. I will give you peace peace with God, peace that comes in Christ, relational peace with other people. I will give you peace. Observation number four, and as I close that about peace, it's not the absence of all difficulty and trial, but it's the presence of God and His promises as we face those difficulties and trials. There is a sense of inner peace that is beyond what people understand unless they're in Christ. Observation number 4, look at verse 27. God puts His name on His people. God puts His name on His people and He marks them as His very own. He puts His name on His people and marks them as His very own. And every time a person comes to Christ, we talk about them becoming a what? A Christ Christian. I-A-N means they belong to, they have identified with. And when people come to Christ in faith and repentance and baptism, they are marked with the name of their Savior and their Lord. And He identifies us as His own. You know, what people really want in life is to be blessed What people want in life is protection. What people want in life is for someone to look on them with favor. What people need in life is grace. What people really need in life is someone who will pay attention to us. Who won't be too busy to take time for us. What people need in life is peace. And you know what? Israel had no way of knowing what the days ahead were going to bring. They might get hungry and thirsty. There was going to be division and discord. There was going to be disobedience and rebellion. But had they remembered what God said and that He would be all that they really need and He would supply what they needed the story could have been a lot different. And they could have had all that they really needed in Him. Now think about this one with me for just a moment. I said that Jesus is the ultimate blessing and the giver of peace and the one who shines God's face upon us and shows us the countenance of God and how willing He is to pay attention to us and such like. Remember? Now think about this with me, Steve. He came to give us blessing, but He died a cursed death on the cross. He came so that we could be kept and yet he did not hold on to his rights and privileges in glory. He was willing to come down and identify as a man. He was willing to show us favor and what God's grace is like, and yet he didn't have a place to lay his head. Few here would consider that he had a lot by way of material blessing. And then he came to give us the undivided attention of God and yet when on the cross he felt forsaken. Matthew twenty seven forty six. He came to give us peace. And yet He is the one, the chastisement of our peace is upon Him. By His stripes we are healed. The only way we have peace is through Him and what He went through on our behalf on the cross. I want you to know that beginning with God himself and then going to Moses and then going to Aaron and then every priest that followed, every high priest that followed through the years, every time those words were said, they didn't know fully what they were saying, but they were pointing to the Jesus being the answer. And thank God that you and I can look back and see that He is all that we really need. Amen, church. I hope that you'll put your trust in Him and that you will not let go of that trust no matter what the trial or difficulty because only in Him is there blessing and peace. The lesson is yours. Let us stand and sing.